0: Loki is the third Marvel Cinematic Universe series to arrive on Disney Plus, all within twelve months. But is this series burdened with glorious purpose, or is it a puny god? I'm Mike, and, I'm Jack. and this is Pop's Dawn. Welcome to Pop School, the Found Entertainment Movie Review Podcast and TV Show Review Podcast. Again, for quite a lot of this year, actually. Uh, And today we're going to be taking a look at Loki, the six part mini series? It wasn't really that fucking mini, it was quite long episodes. Um, But nonetheless, it is the third cinematic, Marvel Cinematic Universe show to come onto Disney Plus as part phase four of the MCU. And it deals with time fuckery. So it's going to be fun to digest. I'm still Mike.
1: And I'm still Darren. We have gone on note, at least I have, several times on this show, of talking about my disdain of time travel shows. Um, Or time travel uses a concept in general because it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. And I know that um, Avengers Endgame is in my top ten favourite movies of all time. And I also love Days of Future Past. So maybe it's just superhero ones I'm allowed to get a pass off on. But... Yeah, I must admit, when I first heard this was going to be that the concept for the Loki DV series, in some ways, I was like, okay, good. We're dealing with a different Loki. It's not a resurrected Loki necessarily. Um, so that's good. And they, for the most part, they tend to they tend to be taking a pretty light example of time travel. They're not really thinking about the ramifications of going backwards and forwards like they were in Endgame it's more about the kind of judiciary of it and keeping everything on the straight and narrow and not letting things branch out. So that's good. I think it's thankfully not a show that really burdens you with too much time fuckery as Mike like to put it.
0: It doesn't. And also at the same time it does because it opens a whole can of worms of which I'm fairly certain. Most of it is spoilers. Um, we we were already introduced to the idea of the branching t- and splitting timeline uh, actually during Endgame uh, with that scene with the Ancient One and Hulk explaining, you done fucked it, you need to go back into these branching timelines where the stones are and go pick them up, basically. Um, seemed like it was going to be the basis for something bigger because you don't have a scene dedicated entirely to a graphic of a fucking line unless you're planning on doing something with it. Mm -hmm. Because Marvel love the graphics of lines, you've only got to watch all the D23 (laughs) presentations to see Mm -hmm. that. Um, So yeah, this is essentially the... I don't want to call it the culmination, but it's certainly the, the springboard for what it is they're planning to do, not only with the Loki character, but with... The concept of introducing different worlds or different versions of characters uh into the MCU proper. It's also kind of, I mean, we're we're now through all six episodes, and it is also kind of like an excuse to do some fun stuff, which I'm very mm-hmm. happy with, because um, you know anything was an improvement over the fucking Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and you know I felt like I was really supposed to get excited for. Um, the sam wilson cap at the end of that and i just ended up being quite disappointed so for this to just go fuck it we're gonna throw some crazy shit in the wall and see what sticks i found to be a breath of fresh air
1: i agree i think it it doesn't take itself too seriously which is nice and i think what helps me kind of digest things is my main problem with time travel movies is um if you can just travel back in time you remove all threat and all danger from your universe Harry Potter, for example. Mm. What problem can't be solved with the time turners? That's why they only turn up for one book and then get written out, because the more you think about it, J.K. Rowling wasn't a particularly fantastic writer sometimes. Mm. Um, I will go to my grave saying they should have made at least one person in Slivering good, and that would have helped a lot. Anyway, we're not talking about Harry Potter. Um, yeah, time travel in that sense doesn't help anything, because then it, you, you can ask infinite amount of questions. So why don't you just go back in time and... Not do that or save this person. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. This is taking the the idea that was basically laid down in Endgame, in that when you're time traveling back, you are creating these parallel universes. You can't change the present in terms of when you go back to the present, it won't be altered by your actions in the past because you're not going back to your past. You're going back to a different path that you are now changing. And they set that up pretty nicely, like I said, with the graphs that kind of explain the TVA's business. And the other thing I like about that is the TVA are kind of just like a very boring, pencil-pushing bureaucracy. So Mm. they're not invested in kind of, you know, changing the timeline and fixing things. They're literally just there to maintain order that then kind of limits the scope of what you can use their technology for. What might have been a good scene, actually, that would have helped explain a bit more and flesh out the time travel in Endgame, is if they showed, literally... Every time they have a clip from Endgame of, um, let's go with the one where you see um, Iron Man and Cap go backwards again to um, the, the 60s or whatever to go back to the, the army base, mm. and Ant-Man pieces out. If you literally have that clip from Endgame, and then cut, you keep rolling the camera when all of them have left that scene, and then you have a TVA door open, and the TVA agent walks out to reset everything. Mm. That might have been quite good, because then it shows, you know... That answers some questions about, well, why haven't we seen the TVA before? It's just, well, they operate in secret. That's why we haven't heard of them yet. So, yeah, it's it's a good use of the medium. It's, it's, it's as happy as I'm ever going to be doing it. And it does give us a chance to have the best version of Loki come back into the fold, which is the Avengers Loki. This isn't the one who's gone on somewhat of a redemptive past and had all these emotional things to him. For the most part, this is the big conniving. I'm going to take over the world, Loki, mm. and Tom Hiddleston really excels at playing them.
0: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And I, I you probably understand the the fact that Tom Hiddleston will continue to sign his contracts is probably the reason this show exists. Um, not saying that there isn't a big, you know, a big brain trust behind the ideas that Loki's bringing into the universe because there almost definitely is. Praise be to Feige, as always um but they keep keep signing that man's checks and he'll keep turning up and he'll bring his enormous slobbering fan base with him but i can't say it's unearned because i think he does a great job in this i ain't sure it's his best performance i still think that's like as you said the avengers um and there's actually quite a bit of him in ragnarok that i enjoyed but Yeah, he's still good. There there is no problems here with our our lead character. Um, In fact, I would say across the board, generally the cast is quite good, actually. There's a couple of, like, bum notes here and there, but it's not enough to spoil the performances in the show.
1: Agreed. I think my only issue is, and this isn't really spoiler talk, is that this is the Loki that, you know, was trying to take over the world. And in mm. a relatively short amount of time, they kind of take the edge off of him. He shows yes. he gets to the same point that Loki was at kind of at the end of Endgame. Like, he's never 100% good. But a lot of his, like, conniving stuff kind of gets sanded away pretty quickly over the course of these six episodes. And again, that's just the format of the show. Only having six episodes means you need to get character-wise from point A to point B a lot quicker. And they try to explain this because, you know, he he's, he has a relationship or several relationships in this show that he didn't have previously, and maybe they're helping. But considering this is the man, uh, a god, that's been alive for thousands of years, to have such a big character change in that short amount of time feels a little off for the character. Like, it's it's not bad. It's nothing, you know, he has to become somewhat of the protagonist of this show. So those kind of, you know, rough edges being sanded off his somewhat necessary but it just feels a little quick for my liking
0: i i wonder if that's got anything to do with where we last saw him in uh, infinity war and i mm-hmm. think i hope this isn't true because this would be a mass underestimation of marvel's audience by marvel which would suck um but it kind of feels like you know the the loki that we saw disappear in Endgame, obviously it is this Loki in terms of the plot, but is it because audiences connected with the Loki that was happy to die at the hands of Thanos more than they liked evil conniving Loki, which is the best version, hmm. and is it to either satiate the fans who appreciated that more or is it to not cause confusion because they've they they at the end of the first episode this isn't too much of a spoiler but they bring Loki up to speed with what would have happened if he'd stuck around hmm. and then this shift in the character occurs and you know we're off to the races with the rest of the show is that because we saw that version of the character the one who wouldn't, who has had that redemptive arc at the end and we just wanted to tell a story with that version of the character or is it because they underestimated the audience I, I that is a genuine open question i don't know if that's the case
1: yeah and i think because it doesn't detract from the show i don't think it's all that like pivotal a question to really puzzle out like i i didn't end the series thinking well i would have preferred to see more of like your kind of megalomaniacal uh loki that's not sustainable For a TV show with him as the protagonist and uh, to the same token, I don't get to the end of that because we did see some aspects of that come out in the films. I don't feel it's a betrayal of the character in any way that like, you know, he can be good. He's not the God of evil. He's the God of mischief. He's not completely irredeemable, as you show for some of his variants being genuinely nicer than he is. Mm. And, you know, so that shows that we were always going to get here. Maybe a few more episodes would have helped, but obviously that then takes away from some of the series' plus points of, you can tell the budget was spent very well throughout the series. Everything Mm. looks real fucking good. Um, And, you know, you you take away from some of that kind of, um, not rapidity, but, you know, that kind of quick pace that is quite refreshing about the Disney Plus size that the Netflix shows sometimes dealt with. Yeah. Like, when you were in the in the middle of a season on the Netflix shows, even the ones you really, really liked, it could feel like you're a bit stuck in the mire. They don't have that luxury here to, to, to kind of waste episodes. And, yeah, and, be, and because in the show's premise, premise, inherently baked in is we are against the clock here. We need to, you know, we, we, we're not able to really sit down and really hammer things out slowly. Things are moving constantly. It means we have to move faster, so... Yeah, that helps. By the way, you mentioning praise be to Kevin Feige. I was thinking earlier of like when we eventually get a, a proper studio for us to do. It's a permanent location. I was like, who's going to be on the Mount Rushmore in the background of Fail Entertainment? <laughs> and I was like, well, Stanley obviously is the one yep. above all, and uh, Tiger Woods is obviously the second one. And yes, I was like, absolutely. Well, who, are the, who are the other two? Like, Kevin Feige is a hell of a shout. Or maybe that's two Marvel people. Maybe two, you know, eggs in one basket there, but. Mm. I had he was on the shortlist now. Uh, I had Shiggy on the shortlist. Um, <laughs> I had big fan of the show Ricky Martin on the uh, shortlist.
0: Oh, obviously. of course,
1: yes. Um, uh, who else could I had, we have? I was like Simpsons. I was like, my favourite's Maggie. Would Maggie be on the list? Because we have not really any women. That, it's absolutely that... animated. Ron Howard. Of course, it's Ron Howard. Oh my god, a hundred percent. Of course, it is. Jesus. Okay. Well, fine. Ron Ron Herod's on the list. I still need to buy that
0: copy of the book, A Camel to the Moon, so we can have that up in the office.
1: Oh, yes. That could just be the logo, to be fair. That'd be nice. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. It's it's an interesting question to ponder. Send in your responses for who should be on the uh, Fair Entertainment uh, Mount Rushmore. Remember, you've only got four for Mount Rushmore, so you've got to choose wisely, but there ain't no way stanley and tiger woods aren't on there so you've got two choices basically (laughs) yeah Uh, i I mean it's 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 either going to be stanley
0: or feige then tiger woods confidence animated ron howard you've done it again
1: yeah is it
0: shigsy i don't know i don't know
1: because we don't bring up shigsy it's just we talk about his work a lot Mm. you know like yeah, so that kind of muddies the water there, but... Uh, yeah,
0: There's definitely a vacant spot open.
1: Let's talk about Owen Wilson, shall we?
0: Shall we? Let's do
1: it. Biggest tragedy, obviously. Yes. Maybe six six episodes. Didn't wouldn't say wow. We got but... so close. <laughs> he did say one
0: word. I can't remember what it is now that was like, a, had the Owen Wilson twang. He, did, he didn't say wow. Wow.
1: Oh, it's just, it's so Disappointing. disappointing of getting him in if he's not going to say it it's, it's still really weird to me like maybe it just shows the power of Marvel they can get Owen Wilson provable bankable movie star Owen Wilson to come on and be second fiddle on what is essentially a TV series I know it's kind of not it's like this weird half and half house stream movie and TV series but still Owen Wilson is willing to do that like again He's probably been paid a lot of money. And actors want to work for Marvel. Maybe this was the most interesting project for him. Like, because he's probably not going to be one to, like, lead an action franchise. I mean, Paul Rudd does now, when he was in comedy films at the same time Wilson was, so fair enough. But I maybe this is just something he found really interesting to come in and be a character that's, like, never been done before, completely untainted, and he can basically make his own, which is Mobius M. Mobius. Uh, who's the handler, I guess, of Loki in the TVA, um, and he's just he's just doing Owen, Owen Wilson things. And if that's your bag, you're going to be pretty happy about it. Thankfully, it is my bag, so I'm very happy about it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm surprised at how much I liked it, considering it's Owen Wilson. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like Owen Wilson isn't on Disney's books already. I mean, the Cars movies, if we have to oh, remember yeah, of them. Course. Um, but like I was thinking recently, and what is the you know the, the the most recent notable Owen Wilson appearance that wasn't as Lightning McQueen? And I, I I'm not counting Zoolander two. It didn't happen. You can't mm. prove it. Um, which means it's Night at the Museum three. And wasn't like, he in
1: that hmm. one with Vince Vaughan when they were Google interns?
0: Oh. Good God, what was that film called? Oh, I don't think dear. I watched
1: it, but uh, I feel like he was in that.
0: He very much could have been. No idea what it's called. <laughs> so, oh, was that literally just called The Internship?
1: That might have been it, yeah. Uh, yeah, that actually came out before Night of the Museum 3. So. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, yeah, Night of the Museum 3 it is. Um, you are right, Like he's not like prolific, like mid-2000s. Early like you know early 2010s couldn't move for Owen Wilson films. Hmm. I suppose he is kind of on a little bit of a regression, but still like it's a big name like, especially one that isn't at a front and center of a TV series like he is here. He's very much coming in to be second fiddle to Loki and to basically have a bit of a bromance with Tommy hiddleston But it kind of it like he's not he's not a character actor. You know what I mean? He's not someone that can he's not Tom Hanks. He got Tom Hanks. There's another one. He'd be on the shortlist. He can't, like, chameleon himself into roles like Tom Hanks can. Like, hey, Tom Hanks is both Tom Hanks and whoever the character is. Owen Wilson is just Owen Wilson in a different hat <laughs> and with a slightly different haircut, you know what I mean? And he's got like... a new hat. Exactly. So that depends on your tolerance for him. In the same way, like, you know, Will Ferrell films depend on your tolerance of Will Ferrell. So I like Owen Wilson. I think he was good here i think he was actually pretty great here like in terms of being your through line for basically explaining the tva's purpose and kind of being a plot mover forward person i think he does pretty well but like, you never a plot mover force forward person i couldn't think of a better way to describe so <laughs> i don't want to call him a plot device because he's not that but anyway poor choice of english aside i like jane wilson I I did also like Owen Wilson. Um, I,
0: I I the thing about the Mobius character is that he could have very much been the like a, quite a boring straight man, like to the the wackiness of all the stuff that happens in the series. And thankfully, they actually they made him a lot more likable than I thought they were going to. Because that first appearance of him, he seems he's like is a bit off the cuff. He's a bit not quite in line as it stands. But as it goes on, it shows that he's not, you know, he isn't reckless. He is very much a company man. He just has his own way of doing things. And that allows him to pair up with Loki, perhaps slightly better than I anticipated that was going to be done. Uh, I'm fairly certain the character of Mobius and Mobius hasn't actually appeared in any other form. As far as I'm aware, I don't think he's been in any, any animated series. I think he's just straight from the
1: comics, as far as I'm aware is that right i think so i can't remember him in anything else what well, he's such like an obscure thing and the tva is such as obscure like you know slight little part of the marvel uh, marvel comics i i would be very surprised if he turned up in anything else but now i guarantee you, the next time he does turn up in the comics he's going to look a bit more owen wilson
0: yeah surely that that's going to be uh, something to look forward to if nothing else Um, But he's not the only representative of the TVA. Uh, We should probably mention what the TVA is just in case. If for some reason someone's listened to this review and hasn't watched the show, which why would you do that? Um, Yeah, so the TVA, it is actually based on an actual um, uh, entity in the Marvel Universe uh, that is essentially a group that monitors uh, the timeline of the Marvel Universe. It's been sort of expanded on a little bit in this show um so that they are basically maintaining a singular timeline and pruning off any possible existences of alternate realities um that's kind of the long and short of it i really like the way that they are presented as a a kind of like mid-70s shitty office i
1: really quite like how that was done Hey, they've got like all like redundant technologies and discontinued like food and drinks. Like do you know where they go to the afterlife in Cocoa and everything's kind of like, you know, all their technology's obsolete and stuff like that? That's what it put me most in mind of. I really do appreciate the smaller touches like that. tell you one thing, I've just had a thought for what I think would be the best spin-off of this series ever. Maggle? Uh, 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 is, it, is it what I think it's going to be? Go on.
0: Is it Mags and Prof?
1: No, I mean, mags and prof, yes, but <laughs> kind of, tangentially, I want to see, because basically, oh, I think I might have to talk about spoilers, actually, to get to it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, okay, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Put a pin in it. But, let's talk about
0: Ravonna Renslayer. Yeah, this is um, hmm, Gugu Mbath Raw yeah i think that,
1: i think
0: it's mbatha oh, yeah. okay um,
1: Roy, yeah, yeah yeah um this is her character she's like uh, so owen wilson is like a a handler a case manager for um the tva they've got like their foot shoulders called the minute men who are the ones who are basically you know on the ground in whatever branch timeline is happening um and uh mobius is kind of like a middle manager for them and this is mobius's manager um, she's a judge in the TVA so when variants are brought in uh, from these pruned timelines she's the one that kind of patches judgment over them um, she kind of is the face of the of the bureaucracy for the TVA for the most part Mobius is kind of he's just an everyman he he's, can be quite charming he doesn't really have that kind of air of authority about him mm. that's where Ravona Renslayer comes into things
0: it is, yeah. Um, she's based on a character in the comic books that is quite different to this very sort of straight-laced company woman. Um, in the, it, there's a lot of spoilers in this character's biography, so I'm going to try and, uh, and skim over them as best as I can. But uh, she is a princess, an assassin, and a lover to a certain... Uh, celestial being inside of uh, the marvel the marvel universe um she's otherwise known as the terminatrix or the temptress she's well i mean you've got it all there she's basically space xena in the books (laughs) um here she's it's it's very much a um she's the establishment which is quite interesting to have that inside such of a, a large concept it reminds me the most of have you seen uh the good place uh vaguely yes mm. in the good place there's this idea that um you know heaven and hell the good place and the bad place are separate entities inside of the afterlife that actually operate as two radically different businesses and I'm annoyed because I wrote a show almost exactly like that and now I'm not allowed to make it. <laughs> but um, that's what this reminds me of. The idea that that, that something as, as grandiose as, as alternate realities and maintaining a consistent timeline is then shared by somebody who is a career woman who has made some morally ambiguous choices and is you know slightly secretive but also very much going by the codes that's interesting to watch because it adds structure to a show that could easily have spiraled out of control from minute one instead when things do start to become a bit more wacky they actually kind of make sense sort of
1: yeah i i get that she's the anchor of most of the kind of wacky stuff going on She's, she does operate with a bit of smoke and mirrors um, because she's, so she's the voice, basically, of these three Time Lords that the, uh, the early episode and the kind of graphic we mentioned earlier that explains the TVA's purpose lay out who they are. These three Time Lords, eons ago, there were several different multiverses and they all kind of clashed and these Time Lords were the three that kind of came together and amalgamated everything into the prime timeline, which is what we've been on in the MCU. Um, and their job is to maintain it. The TVA carry out the kind of small work, but we don't see these three Time Lords, although they do you know, have a house inside the TVA kind of pocket universe, that, that they are maintaining it. They are doing broad pictures, keeping everything on the straight and narrow. Mm. So, that's good. So, so she basically has to interpret and translate their will to Marobius, to Loki, and to everyone else that comes across her. I think she does a good job. I think um, the the hidden depth there is something that we'll have to see how that turns out in uh, Season 2. Slight spoiler there will be a Season 2, but they kind of blasted everywhere when they announced that it was happening. First Disney Plus show to get that, we're not getting that for One Division or... But well, we're getting a follow-up film for Falcon and the Winter Soldier but there won't be a season two of that so mm. cool she's someone I feel like I might enjoy more the second time around where she's kind of freed from the shackles that she had uh, in this series
0: yeah absolutely I, I completely agree um I don't think there's much more else we can say about this character without spoilers so we should probably move on to somebody else
1: well, there's one character in particular I feel might be hard to discuss without spoilers because, in fact, several characters that might be hard to discuss without spoilers. So let's save them for a bit later. Sure. So let's do Miss Minutes. Miss Minutes. Uh, yeah, voiced by Tara Strong. That is the woman who does um, Harley Quinn in like the Batman animated TV series and the games, right? The now. very same. Lovely. Okay. Yes. She uh, she's voicing an animated character called Miss Minutes. It's never really spelt out exactly what Miss Minutes is. She's a she's like a talking clock in the kind of Cuphead art style, but they never really say if she's alive, a computer program, or what. It's left very vague on purpose. Um, and why she has a Texas accent is also left uh <laughs> completely uh unexplained why well, she sounds like what if Tolly plot got beauty and the beast into a clock but <laughs> she's also fine she, she very much is a plot device she's there to explain things that they don't want the human characters kind of have to sit there and talk through she's there very much like uh like clippy from microsoft word she's there just to fill you in when you need a little bit of exposition but again tara strong's great in most things she does so she's fine here too
0: yeah, it's a good choice. I mean, if you're going to get a voice actor, get one of the best. It's always, it's always yeah. appreciated. It, it's a mascot character. That, that's all I really have to say about that without spoilers. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's it's good. It gets the point across. It's not like, you know, it's not like the most arresting performance of the year, but like it does the job. It mm-hmm. fits with the very strange retro futuristic although more higher emphasis on retro aesthetic that the show is going for so it absolutely works thematically but we can't say much more than that can we
1: no this is the thing it's it's they were actually quite sparse on details in trailers in terms of you know they didn't really give away they, they gave it the basics that we've given out of what the tva are but Past that, they didn't, because there's a lot of things that pop up in this that I would consider to be quite spoilery. They happen in, like, the second episode, but if you don't know they're coming, I don't really want to kind of take the edge off there. Which Hmm. would also make kind of describing any episode past the first one as also quite spoilery. Um, So, we may have to do an early spoiler warning here. I mean, in general, I was pretty happy with the show. I... Came away satisfied with where it left off, with what it leaves off. It sets up one or two very, very, very interesting things going forward for both its second season and the larger MCU going forward. This, this, and One and maybe that's why *Falcon and the Winter Soldier* is a bit of an outlier. That seemed like it was setting up, you know, the next Captain America movie, and that alone. One Division and um, Loki seem to be setting up basically the general themes and overall arcs we're going to go through over the course of phase four but at the very least if not into phase five so maybe that's why they feel a bit more important than falcon the winter soldier does i don't know if that kind of the excitement of what it sets up is maybe bolstering my opinion a little bit whereas if i go back and watch this through again i might not Knowing what I know going forward, I don't know if that's necessarily going to help the series on a rewatch because a lot of it is based on that intrigue and the mystery. With that gone, I don't know how well it stands up, it would stand up to repeat viewings. But like I said, it looks brilliant, there's no shortage of a budget here at all. It looks fantastic. The actors are all pretty good, they, they've cast very strongly here. There's only like one or two real duds. But again, we have to talk about spoilers for that. And yeah, I came away feeling, I think I preferred WandaVision just as like an overall concept execution. But I I left feeling pretty happy. This is very much of so far, the the, the Disney plus MCU stuff, this is very much the silver medal.
0: Absolutely. I feel exactly the same. And I'm glad that you've also said that you preferred WandaVision. Um, because I think the point that you made about both of them standing up to repeat viewings will be a big question going forward and I think that's the only thing that's the only hair that's going to split between these two for best of the year so far Um, but my gut reaction tells me that the what they did with WandaVision in terms of making that look like different areas of television and the fact that they had to bake so much of that into the production design just gives it the edge it's not to say the production design in this isn't great I mean the TVA is that kind of infinite city looks fucking brilliant and there's some great scenes on uh, like alien planets and different timelines. And the color grading is real fucking interesting. Can't believe that that's the thing I picked up on in this series. Um, so there's so much to like in Loki. And I think visually does actually make itself pretty distinctive. Uh, and like you say, the quality does not drop. It looks like a six hour movie, which is not that big of a... of a compliment anymore when it comes to anything made for disney plus because that's just the standard that the marvel tv shows will be working at but it finds an identity and it executes it very very well i just think that wandavision is like head up on it if this is captain america the first avenger something that has it's a couple of you know iterations in and it's done something new and interesting that we've really liked we still owe it to the iron man of the situation which is wandavision for proving this shit will work in the first place and i know they were made at the same time but they were you know the success wouldn't even be remotely comparable if wandavision hadn't have brought the thunder like it did So that's where I kind of sit on that. It's a huge recommendation. If you were disappointed by Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this will pull you right back in. If there are elements of WandaVision that actually frustrated you, if you didn't feel like that show did enough for the greater scale of things, you might want to watch Loki because I think those, those problems really get addressed here. So give it a watch
1: fantastic right we are going to spoilers a little early uh just because there's quite a lot of things we need to talk about with loki that require a little bit of jumping off so if you don't want to have any spoilers whatsoever this is your warning spoiler alert and here we go so most crucial person to talk about and be the most no i'm immediately take that back not the most important person to introduced in this series uh because that comes in the last episode but um very much the, the biggest new character for the most part we are introduced to is a variant of Loki who refers to herself as Sylvie played by Sofia Di last seen in the Earth Shattering series uh Friday Night Dinner. <laughs> so quite the leap for Sophia Di Martino to have a one off shot in um <laughs> a kind of a kind of consistently okay Channel four sitcom to then jump all the way to this. I mean admittedly um uh uh Daisy Ridley was uh apparently not good enough for the in between us 2 but she made it all the way to Star Wars so <laughs> it's fine being turned to being only having bit parts in stuff starring Will from the inbetweeners apparently doesn't kick you off of Disney's radar so it's fine uh yeah she's she's one I've seen that split opinion a little bit so I'm mm. interested to hear your uh, thoughts on uh Sylvie I think
0: I was slightly disappointed only because my theory didn't come true and it's Vision all over again. I was ah. fucking certain she was the Enchantress. I was like, I'm putting my house on this. This is the Enchantress. We're going to get to the end of this. It's going to be another fucking fake out. No, nope, it's Lady Loki. It, it is a combination of the Enchantress and Lady Loki for sure. There are a lot of collusion of characters mm-hmm. going on here. But, it, but it's Loki. It is a Loki. It's not the only Loki we get either, but it's certainly a Loki. Um, I really warmed up to her after her first appearance at the end of episode two. I think episode three, I mean, you've only got to look at the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. This is the one that dipped the lowest from the high 90s to the low 80s. It's not a huge dip, but you know, when every other episode's in the high 90s, it's a big dip. And that third episode is challenging at times but her performance in the back end of the series really won me over i'm really looking forward to seeing more of this character but i don't know how you feel about it
1: well interestingly like the the entrance was a very strong one i mean he wasn't to the same extent as of mephisto in uh wandavision mm. but the fact that you know the enchantress is called sylvie in comic books I, I i i was not as sold on the idea Now, I know they've said Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't part of canon, although this series ending kind of leaves it open to, well, it might be now. Um, Everything might be canon in a second. Um, But uh, Enchantress, not the Sylvie version of it, the one called Lorelei, does turn up in the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. Um, So I don't know if that would count against it a little bit because they seem reluctant to kind of use any character that was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., even though, again, they've kind of said that's not canon. Anyway. Um, which means which means Ghost
0: Rider is in canon and that makes me sad
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know I know but that's the thing though the end of this series might set us up for a lot of things becoming canon so you never know it might have dipped in and out of canon all in the space of about two years so it's fine Um, I remember talking to someone at work and she said uh, this was after I think maybe the third episode possibly the fourth one and said she feels like a TV actress in a film world and i kind of got that early on like especially that uh, the, is episode three the one that takes place largely on a train that's the one right so that's quite an exposition heavy one where we're having to explain the background of this variant loki um you know why she why she has escaped capture from the tva for so long because um, that's the early the early plot um driver forward thing that's a term now um <laughs> is that the TV are trying to hunt down a Loki variant that's basically causing chaos throughout the the, the, the prime timeline. And it's this Sylvie one. And, you know, it's the big shock reveal of like, oh my God, it's Loki, but she's a woman. Which isn't unprecedented. They have done this in the comic books before. Um, shortly after a version of Ragnarok, Loki respawned as a woman. Um, and it's gender fluid anyway. It wasn't, you know, that big of a deal. Mm. Uh, and we, I mean, we're going to be introduced, I know it's a very different kettle of fish, but we are going to have a female four in the not too distant future, so there we go. We are,
0: uh, coming from from comic books of varying quality there.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I've talked about how I fucking hate that run, haven't I?
1: <laughs> you have, and I mean, you're going to have more than enough chance to talk about it when we do get into Thor, Love and Thunder, because it's the combination of a comic book run you don't like, and Natalie Portman's Jane Foster. <laughs> which are two things we traditionally haven't liked on this show coalescing into a film that we actually do kind of hopefully like, like so yeah all that
0: in a film directed by taika waititi who's becoming like the one of the directors to watch like in our yeah. hall of fame and it's got the guardians in i'm like oh come on
1: don't make me any more confused and... than i have to be and it's from a man who said, this is the craziest film he's ever made. And again, you have to put that into context of what that <laughs> fucking means. So, oh, that's going to be a hell of a thing to get round to. Um, but yeah, so that early criticism, when she has to do a lot of dialogue on the expedition, it was a little wooden, especially compared to Tom Hiddleston. Now, obviously, this is Tom Hiddleston playing the low-key character for like, what, the fourth or fifth, sixth time? So he's very comfortable with this character, whereas Sophia Martino coming on And playing a version of Loki means that she's obviously not as comfortable with the character as Tom Hiddleston is. And she probably might have felt the weight of pressure on her. Like you are definitively in canon Loki, a different version of him, but still you're carrying that weight forward. Mm. I think when you get past that episode and she's not asked to do, you know, loads and loads of very heavy expedition dialogue, it does get better. And the, the kind of complicated emotions you have towards that character, particularly towards the end of episode six, I think play dividend to how well they kind of turn this character and how well Salvia Martino does the further into this series you get. Because she's definitely a different character by the time we get to the end of episode six than she is when we kind of meet her at the very end of episode two. And similarly to Loki kind of going on a very quick character arc, the same could be said of, Sophie De- of, of Sylvie, but she's a lot more... She never changes what she wants and her end goal. Her focus does not shift the entire series, whereas Loki's does. And partly that's because um, Loki's kind of change is influenced greatly by both his relationship with Mobius, but largely his um, relationship with Sylvie and the kind of love interest they pointed out. Now, you... Because I was like, they're going to have to probably hard right turn away from incest, but as you pointed out, and I won't steal your thunder, it isn't incest. It's
0: masturbation, yeah, which is perfectly
1: okay, <laughs> and we are all on board with here at Fail Entertainment. That is the official line, and you can take that to the bank. <laughs> um, so any amount of these Loki variants all getting into a big pile is perfectly fine. You know, someone's good. drawn it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Hundred percent, ten thousand percent. I don't even want to know what's going on on DeviantArt right now. Jesus,
0: and a bunch Christ. of colored pencil drawings of all the characters in loki fucking each other. Welcome
1: to the <laughs> internet. <laughs> oh, don't do your I still haven't got all the way through that movie yet, Michael. Apologies, I'm, I'm getting there.
0: Oh, um, oh man, it's so good though.
1: <laughs> I've just heard the one where he's on about um, the brand. Uh, Oh, what's, when he's talking about how we should get on board with the moral goals of mini-wheats. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm there. Uh, oh, does that mean you've like, got through um, uh,
0: uh, the fucking... Uh, that's how the world works?
1: Yes, yeah, with a sock puppy. Yes. Have. Very good. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Bob Burnham. We're here to talk about Loki fucking... Um, not a sentence that's ever been said out there before. Um, so, yeah, I... I, I I really appreciate where this character ends up and again I'm looking forward to where they go with this in season two
0: yeah hundred uh, percent I agree with you that the, the the performance is shaky as you begin but it does solidify into something that is all the more tragic compared to actual Loki because I felt like they were going down that route uh, with the through line that you know Loki I mean they, they kind of transposed that character point onto Thor that Thor misses his mom, that Thor is has watched his people die. But equally, Loki did as well. So, But they only really did that for like 20 minutes in the Dark World, and then that was not a part of Loki's character anymore. So I actually think it was kind of smart, putting it into a new variant of the character, because it's not so much that she mourns the loss of her people. She didn't get a chance to have her life in Asgard. She was ripped from it, and now she's just bouncing around the universe. Just... Just running. That's all she's known. And she's yeah. bitter about it. Whatever version of of Asgard she existed in does not exist anymore. That is a pruned timeline. It no longer exists. And fuck is she mad about it. <laughs> That's what I like yeah. about... And, and, you know, that, that appearance at the start um, sorry at the end of episode two where it's like this isn't about you probably the biggest fucking misnomer in the entire show because as it turns out it's all about every version of Loki
1: <laughs> it is like they should have called this being Loki stuff. like that would have been <laughs> a better name for this but it's it's great because it's a really interesting like very unique storytelling device to kind of look at the Loki character and all of his individual motivations, but then kind of stripping each of them off and personifying them in a different character. Mm. So, like, Loki, Prime Loki by Tom Hiddleston, he's kind of all about the redemption, and kind of, his motivation seems to be control. He's found this new, um, you know, he's found the TVA, and there's a really good bit. It kind of really doesn't play more into it later on, but in the first episode, he's just trying to escape, and he's running around, and he basically finds the infinity gems and he's got well, he's got the test rack with him he gets back hold of that because that's what he had on him when uh he kind of pieces out in endgame mm. uh when they were trying to do the time heist so he has that and he basically admits to over. oh yeah i've tried to escape several times and it's just not working and there's a great bit that really annoyed the internet for some reason when he opens a drawer in <laughs> one of the offices and just finds all the infinity stones all in there and, but they don't work. They only work in when they're in their universe. Here, they're just colored gems. And, uh, they got a uh, Casey, who's like one of the, the office workers there, just says, oh yeah, we just use them as paperweights. <laughs> yeah. And he says, like, so this is where the real power lies in the universe. You have neutralized these things that basically wiped out half the universe and used them as fucking paperweights. So his main focus is, I want to gain control of this, but that kind of becomes a lesser concern the more we move on because obviously like we said with sanding off the rough edges, his is more about redemption. His is more about using that power for good. And not this kind of way the T V A are using it. Whereas um Sylvie very much embodies that kind of sense of revenge that he wants that is very, very strong in um in kind of Thor the Dark World. When he does uh, when your boy, the Dark Elf who's called Malekith um, kills um, his mom, he goes all out vengeance trying to get him back. Is
0: that Malchus' theme tune? <laughs> <laughs> it's your boy, the Dark
1: Elf, and then he just strides in. <laughs> yeah. I'd be all for that if he wasn't one of the dullest villains ever invented. It wouldn't even need to talk about Marvel seem to really want to talk about Thor the Dark World, despite the fact no one's favourite film is Thor the Dark World. <laughs> yeah,
0: um... There are more people that like Iron Man 3 than Thor the Dark World.
1: Exactly. It was even a meme. I mean, did you see the um did you see Deadpool's first official MCU appearance?
0: I did, yes.
1: Uh, there was even a joke in that. So, uh. but so Sylvie's very much the the vengeful Loki and the, the other three four four Loki's we meet about this also kind of embody different parts of him. Uh, do you want to talk about those real quick? Uh,
0: yeah, actually we we very quickly. I just wanted to say we we kind of skipped over Hunter B15. Um, who's great. Oh, yes, we did. Um, the, uh, uh, very little uh, else to say about uh, that. She's just very good.
1: That was Wunmi Misaku, mm. um, who was in uh, The End of the Fucking World, which we watched uh, during lockdown. Oh, nice. Um, and yes, yeah, she's pretty, she's in season two of that. She's, she's, I didn't think it was, I I, I it's only now that I've realised it's the same person, because she looks completely different in this. She's like stacked in this. Mm. I won't fight her. Nope. Um, Put it that way, whereas in that one she was kind of like a little like I would fight her in that one. That's probably the best way to put it. Um yeah, so we have a few of the variant loki's We we get very quickly introduced to President Loki, who is all over the trailers but he's in one scene. Yeah. Um and he's also played by Tommy hiddleston Um doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But um right at the end of the f- fifth or well, no the fourth, fourth episode. episode. Yeah. Uh, we get introduced to four other variant Lokis. Mm-hmm. They are, I'm just trying to find them. Right, so we had Kid Loki, played by Jack Veal, who is a complete spanner. Um, <laughs> just, what is it with kid actors, man? Like, why can't Disney do this right? Because he's so fucking wooden. Yeah. Like, you had the,
0: the option of getting Aiden Gallagher in for this, and you didn't take it. Right, imagine that oh. the, like number five in a low key costume. Yes, please.
1: Right, that would have been fucking ideal. You said they got this guy, full oh, boy, <laughs> he's, a, what a tool. he's a spanner. Oh, <laughs> he is so, isn't he's he? yeah. so
0: <laughs> good. God, man, it's
1: not even like uh, they
0: designed him bad as well. His costume's pretty good, but like, yeah, he is flat as. fuck
1: fucking pancake over here right <laughs> um then we have some but he's kind of like in charge he's almost like a little like no i'm gonna save that one actually that's more richard e grant's version uh we have uh here we go dlb opare they really like casting people with names that are really gonna make me trip up as a yeah uh, and make me look like the, every inch of the straight white man i am so <laughs> sorry if i've mispronounced that. that's true uh he plays boastful what? loki
0: may. sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> more bo burnham references on a thing that's not about bo burnham um burnham <laughs> may as well at this point our nominations are open yes um boastful loki is just braggadocious loki you know over his head very full of himself but clearly lying most of the time mm. um but the most interesting one i don't know how they got richard e grant to do this but he's there as comic book authentic Loki. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I didn't think I wanted, but I I kind of want more of now. Yep,
0: absolutely want more of that one. Like, I am surprised at how well... Like, for what is essentially a visual joke. For A, getting Richard E. Grant to play him. And two, actually making him a really interesting character.
1: He was going to be Mr. Sinister, for fuck's sake. And now he's... Like, uh, they really do seem to be peppering the Disney Plus shows with, okay, you keep saying you want the comic book accurate stuff, we're going to do them basically as Halloween costumes. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what we get him. But he's, like, because you're right, he could have been a joke, like alligator Loki is. But, again, I want a alligator Loki spin-off, please. Yep. Um, <laughs> get me that plushie. He, instead, really embodies kind of, like, defeatist Loki. Mm. Of like resigned to his to his means in this kind of um, purgatory they all get transported to when they get pruned. He's very much like just kind of defeated, and that's something that kind of comes up quite a lot with with Tom Hiddleston's Loki. This kind of ideal that this idea, even sorry, that Lokis are destined to fail over and over and over again, and the more variants he meets, the more kind of convinced he becomes that that is their purpose in life. And that really has like an impact on Prime Loki of just being kind of like, well, what's the point of even trying to survive, trying to overthrow the TVA when it's obvious that we are literally their purpose is to lose. And again, that's quite a nice character trait to kind of muse on, and they do a good job of kind of exploring that and coming to the conclusion of what, no, we don't lose. We do lose quite a lot, but we always survive, mm. and that is their point. It is not in our great victories the fact that we are always there in the end we are always going to carry on and keep trying and eventually one of us is going to succeed i thought that was uh, again to come from a place that is basically to go from richard e grant in a halloween costume to that it's quite a good jump yeah quite good (laughs) i did not expect that level of depth of
0: complexity for what is essentially a visual gag bearing in mind it's in the same episode as the fucking thanos copter
1: they got a bit <laughs> oh how wonderful that was and throg yes uh, actually voiced by
0: um uh chris hemsworth as well for some reason really
1: genuinely yes he uh
0: he did throg's grunts as he's trying to get out of the glass jar
1: wonderful Excellent. i'm sure everyone's really happy they could have put that in the credits and like or teased it into episode five like oh watch it watch out ladies chris hemsworth in this one he might be topless and then he's a frog in a jar <laughs> oh boy um right so i think that's every other cast member of note other than the one we really want to talk about
0: uh i think it is i just want to say like the final scene of classic loki where he basically conjures the entirety of asgard and like he goes out with like this fucking like face rendering grin on his face but he's crying at the same time i'm like that yeah that's fucking brilliant i think I, I i had some problems with like you know um the president loki being a complete fucking red herring um mm-hmm. but that entire payoff that episode was so good it was so fucking good
1: i would have been okay because at this point They'd really, if you were paying attention, or more importantly, if you were watching breakdown videos by new rock stars, <laughs> it became increasingly clear who was behind everything. Mm. Like, to the point of, like, but then I can't convince. Much how it really seemed like Mephisto was going to be behind everything in Division, right up until he wasn't. I was like, are they seeding Kang so heavily that it's actually going to be Richard E. Grant Loki that was behind it the whole time? And after that performance, I was like, I think I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah. Turns out (laughs) that, in fact, they've they've booked themselves into a shoot. So the Mephisto one was actually a red herring to put us off a sense that, yes, making you think that Kang was a red herring, when in fact it wasn't. It was Kang all along. (laughs) Excellent. So this is a big debut for this series. Mm. Huge. To have... What is essentially going to be your next, or at least he's looking likely to be your next big bad going forward for the movies, not just Disney Plus. To put him at the end of Loki, in some sense, is a hell of a thing. There are some criticisms tied to this, but I'm, we'll, we'll talk about the character first and I'll get to that in a second. But um, yeah. yeah, Jonathan Davies. Majors. Who, um, sorry, Jonathan Majors. Who's Jonathan Davies? God knows. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Majors, who vehemently denied being in this um, show, Mm. yet another example of camels flying to the moon. He was like, (laughs) never heard of it, definitely not in this. And then of course he was. He turns up as not named as Kang, but call himself He Who Remains. Um, And he just referred to himself at one point, I am a conqueror. Um, And he's the one that's behind the TVA. He's basically the one keeping the prime timeline on the straight and narrow, because he doesn't want others like him coming through. So he's the one that explains why we've ended up in this situation. The shorthand is Kang was a 31st century scientist, discovered other Kangs in other parallel universes, and, you know, worked cooperatively with each other to kind of connect with each other and make the world a better place. But, as with all things, eventually some of the Kang variants became more hungry than that and wanted to conquer more things and that led to basically this uh kang being the one left because he's got rid of all the other ones and the pruning of the alternative timelines is to make sure that another one like him doesn't come round and doesn't start you know destroying the universe Mm. that now makes the purpose of this show 100 percent clear it wasn't just to get loki out of mothballs for another run even though you know we had a pretty good ending for him at the end of endgame it's instead to um no, end of infinity war even sorry it's to basically give us an explanation for what kang is and what kang can do and that's a very exciting place to go forward with this and i think jonathan majors is going to have a lot of fun with this because this kind of setting up there's going to be multiple different versions of kang means he can play the character however he wants in every iteration this one was quite fun and quite jovial and a bit over the top i don't think that's what we're getting going forward so yeah five-star debut for Kang the Conqueror
0: here. 100%. Uh, like I said, this character is He Who Remains, who's a separate character in the books, um, who is very much just like the man who lives at the end of time is basically a corpse. Um, but what they've done here is they've amalgamated like that and also the one of the human... Well, one of the more human-esque versions of Kang the Conqueror called Immortus, and they've kind of compacted those two characters together um and yeah this is very much a debut for who is next after thanos i saw a lot of people on twitter saying oh this guy's gonna make thanos look like a little bitch i'm like no (laughs) i like him no but this is there's a very good i mean they basically said have the last episode to yourself go wild where it is for all intents and purposes A 40 minute monologue by Kang which Mm -hmm. is incredible and the way that they revealed him I was like I was again I was so certain that it was just going to be an enchantress all along and it wasn't so like when he turned up I'm like I'm mad but also I'm not mad because I that you don't like Jonathan Majors is quite like a distinctive looking person and the second that door slid up I was like Oh fuck, here we go. This is gonna be good. And it was it was an eccentric performance, which I'm quite impressed with because I feel like there were flavours of it inside that performance that felt like Kang, and then others that weren't, which is good because it means that he has time to iron out all these different versions of this character that's gonna show up. So the question is is that we are we going to see Immortus? We know we're gonna see. Kang the Conqueror in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which I mean, fingers crossed for the blue version of it because we want it to be comic books accurate because we are those nerds. Um, But the one for me is like, are we going to get mad shit? Like, nobody saw classic Loki, Kid Loki, Alligator Loki. Nobody saw any of that coming. Are we going to get like the Rama Tut version of this character? Are we going to get Jonathan Majors playing an Egyptian pharaoh at any point? Because it's not off the table and That's what I liked about this, mm-hmm. um, and of course, by the end of it, what I really loved about what they're doing with his character, and it it bodes well for Jonathan Majors not only his career but also his um, his tenure in the MCU. Is I mean, we know at the minute the end point of him being in this franchise is Ant Man and the Wasp, where for all intents and purposes he's the main villain. Interesting, mm-hmm. but season two's coming. And those statues at the end, instead of being the ridiculous robotic timekeepers that turned out to be literal puppets like in a big Wizard of Oz move, mm-hmm. it shows Kang and he's wearing the fucking costume. <laughs> he's not got the, you know, the fridge on his head yet, but he's got that kind of like almost like watch band-esque armor thing going on. Yeah. And it oh yeah that that set me right up. I love that they pulled the rug out from um under your feet at the end of the and all of that character building that he's had with Mobius he's just gone. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck okay, <laughs> it set stakes so high for the second series, and if it were of a consistent quality and if it didn't have a presence that has actual genuine like threat, even though. He seems like a nice guy. Um, I don't think it would work as well, but he does. The, when Sylvie kills, um, he remains. And he's not even shocked. He's just like, yeah. see you soon. <laughs> like, oh boy, yeah. I'm, th- this is up there. Uh, this guy's got so much potential to play a very, very interesting Kanga Conqueror. All
1: right, first of all, I need to check. Was it hard for you to both show excitement when the door opened and it showed jonathan majors but then also have to keep telling your significant other i can't explain who that is yet just in case
0: well the good news about that is i didn't have that problem because uh, caroline jumped off it at episode three so there we go
1: oh i know she well, missed all the good episodes <laughs> jesus well good, because rachel was like why are you so excited who's this and i was like "God." can't tell you because <laughs> i'm not sure myself so <laughs> like i if the show chooses to explain who he is i'll give you the full back story but if he doesn't there we've drawing we've holding that from casuals um from muggles like you until it's necessary to know more so i will only let you know what the show wants you to know <laughs> but i know who it is and that makes me very happy <laughs> we haven't had that with marvel for a while where i get to be excited because i know what's coming and someone else doesn't but mm. there we are um well, this is the thing, so you bring up the, the Thanos thing, like, he's not the same, he doesn't have the same level of threat. That's Thanos was a blunt instrument, whereas, you know, Kang the Conqueror operates in a bit more sly, kind of sneaky way. I do think he's going to be the Thanos standing to bridge the gap between Thanos and who we all think is going to be the next big, big threat, in the next Fantastic Four movie. So I can see him popping up in, we already know he's popping up in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think he'll be the primary bad guy of both season two of Loki and the Fantastic Four movie, because hopefully Marvel knows the golden rule of you can't do Doctor Doom in the first Fantastic Four movie. No, he can't. He's the actual next Thanos-level threat, unless they go full on Galactus, but I think that's a bit too soon. And I feel like Kang is a very good candidate to kind of be the the transitional champion, as to use wrestling terminology. He's going to be the holdover one. Still going to be a very interesting character and can carry a threat that needs a team-up movie. But just because I think they're going to sit on the Avengers for a very long time in terms of having another Avengers movie, I think Kang will just pop up in several other movies to kind of be the threat for them. Now, exciting as that is, and how much... it's exciting for what this show sets up So this basically is going to set up off the back of this show. You're setting up uh, Spider-Man No Way Home because we've now um, we've created the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Um, so it all comes down to a choice. Um, uh, this he who remains version of Kang offers the Loki's a choice. He says, "Right, you can either kill me and open yourself up to the chaos. You can get your revenge, Sylvie, but you know." you can then open up the the doors of chaos for more of me turning up and trust me, I'm the good one. Or you two can just run the TVA in my place. So he basically pits the two Lokis against each other in a very subtle way because Sylvia will get what she wants and Loki won't and vice versa. Uh, Ultimately, they have a little bit of a fight. I appreciate that the Loki series is the only one basically ever of Marvel that came down to a war of words as opposed to action being the be-all and end-all to solve everything. Mm. Like, they do have a bit of a sword fight, but it's more of them talking, and then a a few sword moves are thrown in to give you a bit of flash. I like that, and I appreciate that. Sylvie ends up winning, boots Loki through a door, and kills he who remains, who does say, see you soon, which basically points out, this Kang was kind of ready for this, and wants the chaos, and he's happy that his sacrifice is going to lead to that. And like I said, off the back of that, the, the time timeline on all the screens immediately starts branching. That sets up what we're going to get from Spider-Man No Way Home. That sets up what we're going to get with uh, Doctor Doom in the Multiverse of Madness. Now, my only problem with that, mm-hmm. that's a lot of stock to put into a Disney Plus show. Yes, it is. For people who aren't watching the Disney Plus shows. Because they are behind a subscription wall. I know we watched them, and we were always going to watch them, but... There is a large, not insignificant proportion of your viewing audiences that are only watching the movies. And unless they do a good job, well this thing, they, they can't do like, you know, overly explanation things for why these things are happening. Because then people who have watched Loki is bored for ten minutes whilst they set up the multiverse. But to the same token, they can't just dive into it with no explanation, because then casual people are going to start getting confused. I'm not being pessimistic. But introducing the multiverse has the potential to be the first major mistake for the MCU. Because much like I'm always a little bit averse to time travel, opening up that kind of thing could get confusing for casual audiences and might be a bit of a turn-off. Like, if they watch this and have all the context of it, fine, it's been spoon-fed to you over the course of six episodes. To go from Black Widow, a very, very straightforward movie... And maybe Shang-Chi and the Eternals would be the same, but then to go into Spider-Man and to potentially have bloody Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire running around. Uh, I'm a little worried, Michael. I don't think I should be because we have the track record to go off. But I'm worried now that it might get a bit too much comic booky for those mainstream fans that they've got in and the reason why the MCU has been so successful. That is the
0: question that we had about WandaVision, though. And ultimately we said, you know, if it was Mephisto, was that right? Um and you know, the the revelation at the end of WandaVision that Wanda has somehow located her children that didn't yeah. exist. Yeah, it's a huge it's a huge step into, you know, the shoes of, of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's like, well, we've done so much world building around Wanda now. Is that gonna be going over the heads of some people who haven't watched that series? Yeah, I would argue now, knowing about the audience viewership of Loki, um, it was, for the week it launched on, because um, it launched on the 7th of June, for that week it was the third most watched original series across all streaming services. It premiered higher than um, both Falcon of the Winter Soldier and Vision on Disney+. Plus. It was the most watched series premiere on the um on the entirety of Disney plus i mean admittedly, it didn't have much competition but it did very well it's probably made its way into about 2 million us households after its launch part of me thinks and and, and to say that wandavision was fucking everywhere and that only made its way into 1.4 million households i think they've hedged their bets right is that i think it was the time that's the charm People had heard WandaVision was good, but couldn't get its head around the concept. People had heard, you know, that, that Falcon and the Winter Soldier arrived at probably the right amount of time in the political landscape. Oh, that's two really good series. Let's try Loki when that comes out. And then you open the floodgates. And the floodgates have definitely been opened here. Because this ex- this seems to explain a lot of... Um, of the coming phase i would not be surprised if this not only ends up in like you say spider-man doctor strange loki series 2 ant man of the wasp but if it ends up in black panther i could see that happening you know the title being added to wakanda forever gives me some Hmm, are we going to get an alternate version of shuri who's the who's the black panther vibes so i like the sound of that Is that then going to feed into stuff like Moon Knight? You know, the idea of somebody with an Egyptian god in their head, not really come up in the MCU proper. Are we going to be dealing with some multiverse fuckery there? This seems instrumental to what they're doing. And that is only bolstered by the fact that Feige had to table a meeting following the conclusion of Loki to say, right here are the rules of the multiverse, you all have to stick to these. <laughs> so it, you know it's going to be affecting a lot of shit. And, the you know, that doesn't answer the question that you raised of, is this too much to put on the shoulders of a TV show? But I would say that TV shows are actually, I mean, certainly as the world is starting to open up, I mean, we've had Freedom Day in the UK, but less said about that. Freedom but... Day! Oh, God you mask off day time to go and infect me nan um but
1: uh, did you see did you see that guy who treated like lions don't wear masks and someone retweeting saying yes Dave but they also don't walk around Sainsbury's <laughs> love it that's great <laughs> oh, brilliant but like
0: we've spent the last year watching movies and t- tv shows big productions from home just because Loki isn't in the cinema doesn't mean it's not the biggest thing in the world. I know this because it was 8 o'clock in the pissing morning and I got spoiled for one week's episode the day it released. It was already trending at 8 o'clock in the bastard morning. (laughs) So, like, it's big. I don't think people are ignoring Loki, especially because it is a very beloved and established character. I think that's only gone in its favour.
1: See, this thing, I don't disagree with any of that. Basically, I'm just putting this down there so if it does all fall apart, I can point back to this and say, see, I told you so. (laughs) I'm hedging my bets here. But it's just, it's part of this, you know, you've put all this very significant stuff for the MCU going forward in a TV show, but also just the idea of the multiverse in general, as we haven't really had it before. I don't know, because I I bring it up because um, the day after the the final episode aired, someone who I basically coached through their viewing of the MCU messaged me, and she was like, so she had some questions basically about Loki. She's like, well, does this mean that Loki now doesn't die in Infinity War because he's seen his death and he can prevent it? And I was like, no, that's not really how they've established time travel. And I basically had to explain it to her through the medium of cheese strings. So I said, <laughs> right, imagine Loki's a cheese string, right? <laughs> bear with me. Bear with me. That is prime Loki, this this Loki cheese string. The Loki that's in this TV show is like when you peel a bit of that cheese string off. It is the same Loki from a certain point of view, but it's also its own separate thing that can interact with main Loki or any other Loki bits of the cheese string that have been peeled off, like Sylvie, like Richard E. Grant, like the alligator. So that was my best way of explaining it to her. And I just feel like that's something that, because it's hard for us to put ourselves in that position because we fucking bathed in this shit for the last 30 years of our lives or whatever. We know how multiverses work and how time travel works and all that business. Just don't know if that's going to be to the taste. Now, obviously, audiences will forgive that if it just opens up fun possibilities, like what we're going to see with Spider-Man. We've potentially seen all three major spider Man from the, Spider-Men, from the, films being put in one place and spider into the spider verse work well on the same premise albeit a cartoon i'm just i'm just hedging my best however that does bring me around to my idea for what i want a spin-off to be a tva centric spin-off to be Mm. because if this kind of event now leads to the canonization of spider-man sam raimi spider-man and the amazing spider-man movies and potentially could be the way they get deadpool into the mcu i want to now basically canonize all Previous Marvel films, as yes, that takes place in some version of the timeline of the MCU. I want to t- see a TVA trying to manage the Fox timeline of X Men movies, <laughs> and just have TVA people running around screaming, going "Ah, what the fuck is going on?" <laughs> that's that's
0: the series I want. Just a sit down conversation with like Mobius and um, and and the James McAvoy version of <laughs> Professor X, and just being like you're going to lose a lot of hair very quickly going from about 40 to 70 overnight almost
1: so emma frost was a grown woman in the 60s but then she's also a like a teenager in in like the 90s with cyclops in a prison that wolverine helps them break out of and and ryan reynolds was there as as a dead pool but not that Deadpool, that's a different Deadpool to that deadpool. Ah that's that's the show I want.
0: And then just there's there's um it just cuts back and forth in that scene to like you know, like the graph of all the branches.
1: But just like yeah. the branches
0: branching even further with a loud alarm going off.
1: If I could just have Owen Wilson as um Charlie from uh, It's Always Sunny with his big fucking conspiracy board <laughs> and a cigarette on the go trying to figure out X-Men.
0: That's
1: what I want. Give me that for season two of Loki. Tommy doesn't doesn't even need to be there. Just give me that.
0: <laughs> it's, it's actually a really good way for them to like bridge some stuff in that they can't be bothered to do again. Like, I, uh-huh. I bring up Ghost Rider again, because are they really going to want to do that? They've already done it three times. Do they really want a fourth go? No.
1: This is what i saying. Like I, I was only half joking about this, but like you can now say, Agents of Shield isn't canon to what happened in the MCU. Phil Coulson died in the Avengers, but all of Agents of Shield was just on a branch timeline. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that that happened. It, it kind of fucks with the, with you watching the MCU chronologically. You'd have to say anything that's on in these branch timelines doesn't happen before this episode of Loki. But then you can go off and watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you can go off and watch the Netflix series, you can go off and watch whatever, fucking Cloak and Dagger if you want, and so on. That's a good way of kind of, because I think it annoys people when you just take stuff out of canon and say that doesn't count anymore. This is kind of the opposite approach to what they did with Star Wars, in that they're making something in kayfabe, in MCU, that then allows everything else to kind of exist and open up possibilities for... You know, some level of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming back into the MCU or anything like that. So, I appreciate what it does. Again, it's just. It's a lot. It is. However, until we see. (laughs) Sorry, until we see Spider Man or Doctor Strange, we don't know for certain if it's going to work. The second we see those movies and it does and they're generally well received by not just us but mainstream audiences, I will drop all reservations and say, fucking long may this shit continue. Hmm. Absolutely. All I need to know is that that
0: opens the door for daredevil to come back and i'm very happy
1: and that's all that matters at the end of the day get deadpool and daredevil and punisher and then we're good we don't really need anything else you can drop everything else but that'd be beautiful right i think that's everything
0: it is and and to close out this i just wanted to say it took me a while to realize why i was enjoying this show until i really really thought about it and like what this show is at its core is an eccentric british person traveling through space and time to multiple different worlds all of which looking vaguely similar as they go through meeting multiple different versions of himself and it, how do i put it um well we don't
1: need that show anymore now do we no we do not we can do away we fucking Doctor Who. Thank I God. Never need talk about it again. <laughs> we you know, don't. What, this proves it. that Doctor Who could be good if he just had good writing. That's all he needed. <laughs> good writing. To do writing. Production with... values.
0: An actor that's likable. Any of the fucking above.
1: Hey, hey, blah, 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 blah. I, I am clean on this subject. I've never liked Doctor Who. You, on the other hand, used to suckle at the teat. So you're you're, you're treading the line here. Yeah, all
0: I'm saying is. How hey, many of the Doctor Who actors have we used? That's a good point. Hmm. Do we need any more oh. keys?
1: <laughs> well but to be fair, Tenet and Eccleston have both been in MCU stuff. Admittedly Tenet was in a uh, in, uh, was in a Netflix series, mm. but there's that. Um Haven't had I Matt know, Smith,
0: we haven't had Peter Capaldi. No. We've definitely had Karen Gillen. Um who else have yeah. I don't do we really want to bring Billy Piper into the MCU?
1: Why the fudge not? Well, I mean, as long as I don't get round to Catherine Tate, everything's going to be okay.
0: God. If it's just, if they set up Catherine Tate as fucking Galactus, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> oh,
1: why, why would you even put that thought into the universe, you <laughs> fucking sadist? Jesus.
0: Oh, what can I say? I'm full of mischief. Hey! hey. No, I can't do it. I can't do the. It wasn't a strong enough pun
1: i'll take it right plug away Michael.
0: you can go and find me on twitter and instagram at that mike and you can go and find darren on twitter and instagram at the guttridge you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook under the username fowl T. that's f-o-u-l-e-n-t find us on spotify find us on apple podcast find us on soundcloud wherever you can pick up an rss feed under the username and T or fowl T podcast depending on the service you are using and of course go to com for more podcasts and more articles from me and from darren right that's the hopefully the last podcast remotely out of the way. I know we said it was going to be this one was the was the glorious return, but eh, we're not ready. We are not ready. Nope. Um, but we'll be back together in a room soon, which is good. we we'll with hotter takes, hotter than this fucking
1: weather. Oh Christ, it's disgusting, isn't it? Yep. The ginger GDP is dying slowly. Listeners at home should know that I am only in my boxes and I have been the whole time. <laughs> um whether that changes your perception of this episode or not i don't know that's up to you whether you like pasty white men who are very sweaty but i didn't um...
0: respect his point on cheese drinks until i knew i was a, <laughs> a layer of fabric between him and his knob great wonderful Ah, oh, this is a weird ending bye everybody
1: Bye. <laughs>